Welcome, welcome, welcome to the newest iteration of uh, Garage Hammer after Olinor. Uh I am your host, David Whitek, and with me is my co-host, Greg Dan. Greg? Hello. So, folks, um, Greg came to me with an idea of, you know, we've been talking Horus Heresy with each other, either on Skype or... Dude, I think when you were here for Gen Con, whenever Heather was, wasn't, was around. That's, that's, that's when it started. Um, we were waiting for Chris Yu to turn up, and we got chatting about whichever book you were reading at the time. I can't quite remember. And um, Chris Yu came with his food, and he sat down to eat it, and we just didn't stop. That's right, because <laughs> he was still eating, so we just kept yapping. Yeah, and he just kind of looked at us uh, quite bemused at uh, not understanding what we were talking about, but quite engaged in our conversation anyway. I think part of it was our enthusiasm, but he's on book three. He's doing well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's. I think that's that That started it. And then you and I started chatting. We should do this, uh, basically do a little book club almost on the air. Um, so, oh, basically, I guess we should tell everybody, guys, this is the first episode of After Ulanor, uh, which is... Um, going to be the our basically the Horus Heresy book club. Uh, we're going to come in once every month, maybe month and a half, and Greg and I, and possibly Chris, if he gets into it, or any other guests that we might have who really read it, who you know we might bring on, but we're going to take one book and just pick it apart. I mean, spoiler alerts and everything, we're just going to sit here and discuss the book and how it's written and the story arcs and what we like about it and what we don't because we can't be the only people who who, who geek out this much over this <laughs> so. we certainly aren't <laughs> there are forums you know dedicated to it there's i whenever i meet my mates at the club you know, every two or three weeks we're talking about the books you know i talk with a few people online i also know that this idea actually completely independently almost happened with another podcast Oh, really? Um, yeah, they were talking about doing the same thing, and it never quite happened, schedules and things like that. So um, there's a lot going on about the Horus Heresy. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a huge scope, too. I mean, if we do this once every month, month and a half, we right now have two years of material. Yeah, and you that, <laughs> and that's purely because you don't have the extra audios and the, <laughs> the special editions as well. Exactly. There's all that, but that they will come out in the fullness of time anyway so and that'll and you know then and, and so you know greg i know on the regular show folks as you know greg is our european correspondent but uh here on he's full-blown co-host because uh, greg knows way more than i you know about this stuff so uh, i yeah and I've, I've been playing 40k since i was 11 or 12 something like that so good 20 years um, See, yeah. You pick up a lot of background from that and then reading the books and, and all that jazz. So that's what hopefully I'm going to bring into this. There are people out there who know a lot more than me. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I know everything. Um, but hopefully, where, David, you, you, when did you start getting into um, you're the one who talked me into reading it. And I'd, be, I'd have to go back and look on the forums to see when I posted but I think I started about, I don't know, not quite a year ago. All right. I know it was after Adepticon last year because I hadn't started reading them yet. So a little less than a year ago, I think it was right around summer, 
uh, I was like, okay, fine. I had nothing to read. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll try <laughs> Horus Rising. And that's because I, then I remember reading, <clears throat> I was there when Horus slew the Emperor, and I, I remember posting on the forum, said, what the hell am I reading? And then Cranky jumped in, oh, well, they're words, Dave. You might have to work on your stuff. But it was, uh, it was, it was really confusing, and then I really, it really started to take off. I really started to enjoy it. I know some people uh, are not the biggest Black Library fans. They'd rather read other fiction. Uh, you yourself have said that it used to be really hit or miss with Black Library. I I've read a lot. I've got uh, I've got a big pile of Black Library books actually that I'm looking to move on to other people. Um, so yeah, I've been reading um, Black Library books um, since back in the day, and I've read quite a few shocking books um, through my love of the hobby blinded me into keep buying them um, with some good ones as well um, but Black Library have Black Library have really stepped up um, they've got the a, last good, a good stable of writers five, six years, yeah and they're, they're constantly putting out good quality books there are still books that are not so well written and there are still books that are designed to be holiday reads and then there are books that are more in depth like the heresy books um but you've got more of an idea now when you're going into them what what you're expecting yep. and these you know the heresy books are, are hitting top 10 uh, on the new york bestsellers you can't you know, do mean, that if you're a bad book exactly i mean i remember when i was a kid reading some of the dungeons and dragons books or the whatever they were called or and I was big into, right after high school, uh, I got with a group of friends who introduced me to uh, White Wolf role-playing games, Vampire the yep. Masquerade and that. And I would buy all of their fiction. And some of it, there was there was some crap in there. There was a lot of crap in there, in fact. I was always leery of reading books based off of games. Whether, you know, because now they got yes. books for magic and books for, you know, they have Halo novels and stuff like that. And... I avoid most of that stuff. I like remember when I was young reading my Mega Drive time books, my yeah. sacred Mega Drive, uh, Alex Player, or Player <laughs> A, as he was, right. <laughs> Road Rash, the book. But yeah, these these are definitely not, you know, they're not cash-in tie-ins. No, these, no. These are, these are written to be very good books, and and in in pretty much the whole, they succeed. Yeah. I, yeah, I would totally agree. And, and if you're listening to this, hopefully, uh, if you haven't read any, our, our, our hope is to inspire you to want to read them. Um, and if uh, you're already reading them, hopefully you'll just enjoy it, um, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the conversation. And I, what I really want is, is it to grow on from the podcast. So I want, if you are enjoying it, if you have read the books and you think what I'm saying and what David's saying is absolute tosh and we completely misunderstood this character's reasonings and whatever then we want feedback and we want input and i am we, going we to want actually, to hear people's voices back i'm actually going to open a separate episode discussion thread so not just you know on our forums where you click on episode discussion lists all the garage hammers and the garage gamers yeah we're going to have after ulanor episode discussions like its own whole thing so you can go right to that, and we'll keep that separate from all the other threads. Um, so it'll just be for this particular branch of the show. Yeah, and and re- I, I, my own personal view on it is, I really want that to happen. Yeah, um, you I, know, I want, I want, I want to be shouted at when we make a mistake because we will make mistakes. You know, and yeah. whether that's just because we're we're 
so into it and we miss say something or we just don't understand something i want people to tell us that and i want people to say yeah you know actually i think that the emperor was thinking this at this time and giving us different opinions exactly um i'm also even uh you know we're not even certain how the format's going to go for this right now we know we want to keep them about an hour and we know that we're going to go a book an episode but if the response gets really good and if we get really not just a lot of response but quality response you know, the beginning of the show could be a, okay, last episode, and this has been, you know, we can have like a, you know, a mailbag or even a, you know, okay, yeah, if, this was really good, have them call in and they can give their own, you know, we could have, you know, guests on if the response is really good and it, it merits some discussion. So Definitely. Because we, yeah. we, yeah, we're not, David and I are not sitting here as, this is how the Horace Heresy books are written. Exactly. <laughs> something we can do. I um, may sound we, like that sometimes. You know, yeah. I, my teacher hat goes on. I can't help it. I can't help <laughs> it when I'm talking. I sometimes talk down to people. It's not that I'm trying to. It's just I'm used to telling people how it is yes. five days a week. And so <laughs> sometimes I may sound like that, but I am guaranteeing you there are, you know, I don't know that much about this. I'm... I'm texting people when characters coming going, who is this and what's going on here? Because I know there's got to be more and it's interesting. So this is a journey yeah. for me, uh, I think, far and more than for you, Greg. This is really part of a journey for me. Well, it's, it's, it's also my journey as well, but it's our individual oh, journeys. Yeah, Every right. time anyone reads a book, it's, it's, it's a piece of art at the end of the day. It, you know, it might, be, it might be perceived as trashy art because it's a black library book. That's people's opinion. But it's if art. someone's yeah. written it, it's a, it's a form of art. So every individual person is going to take something slightly differently from it. So exactly. Yeah, can, but you have, can, I mean, you've got all 24 novels under your belt, plus... I've got everything they've released um, officially for the Black, for the Horus Heresy, I think. Plus you've got some of those little side books. You've got Battle I've of the got, Thang and I've a got lot the, of... Um, I've got the special editions they did, um, Promethean Sun and Brotherhood of the Storm, uh, the limited editions. I've got all the audio that they've released, and I've got most of the chat books that they release at the Black Library events. I might be missing a couple of those. Nice. So the advantage of living in the UK is I can get <laughs> get to events or, or know people at events. There you go. Which can help with yeah. those. Excellent. So. Oh, and, and um, so I guess... Um, it was Garage Gamers for Black Library Weekends. That might actually start to fall under here as well. With the, certainly for the Horace Heresy ones, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm attending the Horace Heresy Weekend uh, in May, I think it is, which is run by Black Library and Forge World. Um, so it's a bit of a gaming Black Library crossover. So uh, the, the, hopefully there'll be information to come back from that. That's maybe something we can do. So I think... What we should do here, and um, for our first episode, Greg had the good idea of not jumping into Horus Rising, um, but going into some of the background before the Horus Heresy, which is good because I'm even fuzzy on a bunch of these things. Uh, I tried to give Heather the short, short version of this when she was asking what we were doing, and I'm not even certain I got it right, I, but I don't think she cared enough that if I got it wrong, she'd call me <laughs> Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, the the idea was just to give a kind of basic grounding that the average 40k player um, will already have in their rulebook. Um, right. So the things we're going to go over today are 
you know, if if people play Warhammer Forty Thousand, they probably know this. So it's it's nothing groundbreaking. It just gives a bit of a base level before we go into the books. But if you enjoy the fluff, keep listening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's stuff here. You never know. You might learn something. You you might find something to correct me on. <laughs> there's lots that can be uh, that can be garnered, and we'll see how it goes. Well, I think the cool thing is being a, a fantasy podcast, having this little 40k side. Oops, sorry, having this little 40k side. You know, if you're 40 curious, as I am, as I like to call it, um, you know, this might be interesting for you. Or there's, there might, you know, when I start getting some 40K listeners, you know, that are just, uh, you know, peeking in for this. So, um, and like I said, yeah, as Greg said, if if we get any of this wrong or if I say something immensely stupid, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, at some point, I'll say something oh, immensely stupid. So will I. Don't but worry. if I get something I'll, wrong, I'll say let the, me know. I'll say the wrong name, you know, at the wrong time, meaning completely confident I've said someone else. Oh, sure. It's, it's a common problem. Okay, so let's start. I think it's, what is it, around the year, let's see, 300 centuries before the Horus heresy. So this is sometime in the near future to us, I think. Yeah, I correct? mean, the period of time we're going to cover is near future for Earth up until... Um, the Ulanor campaign, which is what the podcast named after, which is um, kind of the the start of Horus Rising, is a, you know a few years after that, right after Ulanor. Okay, so um, <clears throat> that's the kind of time scale we're looking at. Is yeah, three hundred centuries. That's quite a long time. Greg sent me this. It's a nice little recap, um, and you know, picked from various sources, but it's pretty good here. Uh, and it helped me sort of get a base of where we're going to go with this, with this episode. So, let's see. The Dark Age of Technology and Old Night. Almost 300 centuries before the heresy, humanity settled the stars. Their level of technology was immense, allowing them to terraform planets into the image of Earth and to harness the power of suns. Human colonies spread across the galaxy, finding treasures and horrors, but surviving and thriving until the period of history known as Old Night or the Age of Strife. It's a 5,000-year period in which warp storms isolated planets, making interstellar travel all but impossible. The warp is a parallel dimension in which the gods of chaos live, in which feelings are given flesh and unspeakable horrors call home. Time flows differently in the warp, which allows ships to use it to travel long distances in short, if unpredictable, time with appropriate safety measures. The nature of the warp was still barely understood at this time. While outlying humanity struggled to survive isolation and the attention of alien races, Terra descended into war. An already polluted planet was further damaged by tribes fighting for dominance as tyrant after tyrant was proclaimed and brought down. That's a pretty good explanation. Um, it is, and it's, I will say uh, a lot of it's stolen from the Forge World um, betrayal book. God, <laughs> they, that, they wrote it very well, amazing. so I thought, why, why, why change some of it? You know, I just paraphrased bits. I thought that the Bad Ab Wars that I actually the ones I purchased from you were really amazing, and then yes. I read Tamarcon, and we did a two, two four hour episodes covering that book because it was just that damn good. And I'm reading Betrayal, going, wow! I just blow everything else out of the water. Why don't you? Yeah, it's, it's top quality stuff. It really is. But so now this is interesting to me because, like I said, I've only I know a bit of the fluff. I didn't sit there and I didn't read all of the fluff in the 40k rule book when I picked up sixth edition. Uh, 
mainly because I'm just more focused on fantasy. Yeah. So we were traveling through the warp before the Emperor and the Astronomicon. Am I correct? See, this is what I'm unsure about. I mean, that suggests so, isn't it? It but does. Even if it was, um, even if it was uh, normal travel. But they were aware of the warp because they had warp storms isolated them, so they must have been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the warp so storms were... It's something, it's something that's just kind of assumed, and then the Astronomicon just makes it... Yeah, that much more. Right. So they're traveling. Controlled. So basically, we spread out all over the galaxy, almost yeah, like in the it, way that humanity does, um, owning everything. Yeah. Well, and it kind of made me think of, in a way, I mean, with uh, Firefly. Yes. Without the, yeah. you know, but with aliens. The Wild West. Yeah. Just how we, yeah. but how we, uh, you know, we we learned how to terraform, and boom, we just Earth couldn't support us anymore, and we went everywhere. Yeah. But. Uh, Apparently, traveling through warp space, you have these uh, these horrible uh, time distortions. Now, the uh, when the when this this five thousand years with the warp storms happening, yes, is that when the Eye of Terror opens? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. The the kind of I think the most common belief is that that five thousand year period. Is that at the start of that five thousand year period? The event that caused it was the Eldar, um, the fall of the Eldar. So the Eldar are a space elf race, right? Who um, they they were the dominant species for thousands of years. Um, Ever basically since the, became, basically since the Necrons had gone to sleep, sometime after the Necrons had gone to sleep. Yes, um, and who knows what else came in between? Well, that's um, true. And they the Eldar uh, celebrated kind of themselves and they were haughty and, and, and got so caught up in the excesses of life that, that they actually um, caused the birth of the god Slanesh. Which is really we, we, cool if we, you think about it. Yes. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that that was written into it. They're saying, well, wait, Slanesh has always been here. How come he, what do you mean he's coming now? But That's, it's always been in the 40k side, I think. It's been, well, it's been no, sorry, it's been there for a long time. It was, it was always the birth of the the birth of Slanesh came from the Eldar, right? Um, from their excesses, created the god of excess in the warp because the warp reflects all those human emotions and, and attributes. Which is why the warp demons like humans so much because we are they power them up. Well, yeah, um, you know what? This reminds me a lot. Of if and uh, you know obviously everybody knows that a lot of this stuff comes from Tolkien stuff, but even from the science fiction side, if you read the Silmarillion, when they talk about the music of the you know that created Middle Earth, yes, and how the music of the elves came in and they're sort of they're beautiful and very even keel, but they're also eternal, so it goes through, and then you hear these weird notes interspersing these loud braying notes which yeah. are these short lives of humans and they're much they're you know if, if you almost look at it as a wave you know these these the, the, the human emotions just go in these huge you know these these wide sparking very short but very wide waves whereas yeah, very, yeah impacting yeah and so um the 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 denizens of the warp can't get enough of of us um yeah, is, I think even 40k humanity has always echoed the Lord of the Rings yeah. um, kind of uh, yeah, vision of humanity compared to the other races. Right. 
I think that's that's just something that was ingrained in Rick Priestley, I think, and and kind of shows through in his work. How can it not be? I mean, Absol- absolutely. And I mean, and and as you go through, um, Games Workshop are very liberally, you know, taken influences and never really kind of hidden it. No, I mean, and who does? I mean, literally, I, I in fact, with the uh, with the last influx of whoever found that that letter from that really old white dwarf that where they were complaining about you know copyright laws and things like that, and people were kind of making fun of their old letter. Uh, there was articles people saying how you know orc is pretty much Tolkien's thing, and whites were. I mean, he was you know he he went back and took a lot of old mythology and a lot of old. Uh, you know, old legends, but there were parts of this that he gave them names and he made stuff up and, you know, I mean, everybody borrows from him and it's, it's a, it's kind of to the point where it's, you know, nobody, nobody bats an eye at that. It's It's just, just, yeah, it's just what's done. So, so we get 5,000 years of this. And while this is going on, the isolated humans, some are wiped out, some are lost forever. Some thrive. Yeah, um, some set up their own little kind of inter, you know, intersystem like dynasties. Um, you know, some are, are constantly struggling for survival against you know whatever alien race happens to be close. Some um, intermingle, even interbreed with alien races. Um, potentially, they certainly develop uh, relationships. You know, trading agreements or or living with certain alien races and certainly dealing with them. Because um, I, I do remember reading something in one of the last couple of Horus Heresy books where they found a race that was obviously... Yes. They were yeah. human, but they had alien DNA at them at this yeah. point. They had intermingled yeah. with some... Um, what? Oh, you know what this reminded me of, too? To go to another thing was uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation. Yeah. Yes. When the when the galactic empire crumbles and they have all these little pockets of yeah, little humanity. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, each one's got its own um it's got its own way of surviving because of where it is and what it's doing and what it's facing. It's actually really interesting how Terra becomes a myth on some planets too and this this pops up in the books. You yes. know, it's like they remember it, but nobody's been there. Uh, some yes. of them have regressed 5, to the point. Five thousand years is a long time for humanity, right? And I mean, look. If you look at us now, we we look try and learn lessons from like you know the early five thousand years is pre-Roman, pre-Greek. I mean, <laughs> it's a long, long time. Yeah, <clears throat> um, and and particularly with with being isolated, um, they lose. You know, it's it's easy to lose knowledge. Right. If, you, if you've only got three people who know how to work a machine, um, and you think everything's all right, something happens to those people, you can potentially lose that knowledge, or that knowledge becomes slightly diluted as it's passed down. Yeah, it's a, I don't know how it works. I just know the I routine. know that I've been told to press these buttons. Yeah, I know how to change <laughs> the oil on my car. I don't know exactly how the engine works. I just know how to do this thing, and I keep Absolutely. doing it. Absolutely. And that's kind of actually where part of where the kind of um, the the religion associated with technology also bears from, right? Because they because in this time they do lose a lot of knowledge in that respect, and and on terror having the wars on terror um, to try and take control. So someone can actually try and take control. Yeah, a lot of lot of stuff gets lost. Yeah, and. That. It's kind of fascinating because I even remember reading, was it Mechanicum? 
Where, yeah. Was that, and that's where the they get the corruptor signal through the, all the stuff on Mars. Yes. And uh, the main character, whose name I forget right now, we don't have to go into it, but she had that, like, she had invented all, this adept had invented all of this cool stuff that was just lost. Yes. And it was like, I actually thought that when we're in, in 40K, that the technology and the religion around it that sort of has sprung up and we don't have, we can't make new stuff because we don't know how. I thought that was stuff that we had lost in 30K because of the wars. And then I start some, reading. Some of it is lost through that, but certainly some of it is goes predates that. It as seems well. that a lot is because yeah. even in even in that book, uh, you know, sending out parties to all of these planets to see if you could. What do they call that stuff? The 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 diagrams and the blueprints from stuff. The STC standard template constructs. Yes, and they're looking yeah. for those. That's the stuff that we lost. So apparently, in the year. You know, I don't know, maybe five, six, maybe even almost ten thousand. We were far more advanced technologically than they are in thirty or forty thousand. Uh, we just lost it. Of course, we didn't have all the space marines and all the big armor and the and the and the weaponry. But apparently, there's lots of technology that that the the uh, the mechanicum of Mars would kill for. Yeah, that that five thousand year period saw a real degradation in that, and in fact. Even you know in the forty first millennia, Mars is very you know they send out ships all the time just to try and find their goal is to find those lost technologies because yeah. they're worth that much. Yeah, they, if they can find the right ones. Well, and that's uh, what was it? I remember in Fallen Angels, they had regressed basically to a like. I mean, that was a feudal. Yeah, a feudal, feudal system, system. Yeah. and they had stuff that looked like and resembled power armor. And they had, you know, they had guns and they had things like that, but they had completely regressed down. I mean, they didn't even have interstellar travel anymore. And they they didn't have interplanetary travel. They were, I basically regressed back to around where we are now. In fact, a little, you know, they were farther back than we are now, which is kind of amazing to see how far. I mean, we look at, when I teach humanities, I always talk to my students and we talk about the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages and how humanity took a giant step backwards from the advances of Rome and all these things, and then we hit the Renaissance, and we rediscovered all this stuff. And I go, now think about it. Think how far we've come in the last just couple hundred years. Now take that thousand years where we were floundering around in the dirt, and we had become a great... I go, think how far advanced we could be now had we not taken that step back. And it's it's one of those days where I enjoy blowing their minds, you know what I mean? (laughs) And... uh, you get this sort of the same idea here, only just to the nth degree, that you know humanity was just so ridiculously advanced, and we still are. But I mean, when 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 you read about the stuff the Mechanicum can do, and how they're looking for this technology as like you know bits of the Holy Grail, you're like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and there's, I mean, the the scopes out there, you know, you've got. You can land on a planet, might not have any fuel. So that's it. You yeah. know, what good are vehicles when you've got no fuel? So that's, they get taken down, made into other stuff. And, and that's just one example straight off the top of the head. So there's, there's a myriad, there's, you know, however many worlds there are in the galaxy. And, and there's the scope for each one to diverse, <coughs> excuse me, diverge into its own way and humanity to adapt and survive. So. Then we get through all night, and we get to the Unification Wars. Yeah. And uh, let's see, I'll hit this part here. At some time during the cycle, 
uh, with you know the tyrant after tyrant being proclaimed brought down, the emperor emerged and started his conquest of Terra, casting down each tyrant in turn. During these conquests, the emperor started to experiment with genetics to stabilize and rebuild the human race, which had been suffering under the effects of the viral and radiological weapons, but also to engineer superhuman soldiers to go fight humanity's battles in the void. The first of these soldiers were the Thunder Warriors, more physical and visceral even than space marines. These soldiers were bred purely for fighting and as such would not fit into the Emperor's greater plan. Officially, the Thunder Warriors all died in the final battle for Terra. Toward the end of the Unification Wars saw the space marines take to the field of battle for the first time. More refined than the Thunder Warriors and able to think beyond the scope of destruction. Having unified Earth, the Emperor brought his war council together, placing Malkador at their head, a man of planning, not of war, and charged them to administrate as the right hand of the Emperor. This allowed the Emperor to make the most of a massive cosmic event, which cleared the warp storms, opening the path to the stars, while many proclaimed that the Emperor instigated this event himself, and is in fact a divine <coughs> being himself, which he stringently denies." So then we get the unification wars. This is kind of cool. The Thunder Warriors thing, I had, I didn't know. I knew he made something before Space Marines, but even yes. giving them a name, just the Thunder Warriors. Just yeah, the, the Proto Marines, um, bigger, bulkier, you know, than, than Space Marines, more kind of physically imposing, um, without all the the you know with, again with Proto uh, equipment as well. So they weren't as equipped. Right, they look as sleek and all that, but they were there. The, you know, the Thunder Warriors were there to win Earth, to win Terra for the Emperor. Now, here's a now, okay, and this is going a little off track, and I don't <coughs> want to diverge too much because I want to keep this on a on a good time schedule today. I know, having read Mechanicum and some other things, that the Emperor was on Earth, accord, uh, you know, apparently since about the year one thousand. If if yeah. you if you read the story correctly. So does he, and then he just, I mean, I'm, I get confused as to when he actually shows up on the scene and when people know who he is. Well, it changed. I mean, um, if you, old, <laughs> old Black Library law had him, actually had a list of people that the emperor actually was, real historic, historic Are people. Are you kidding? Um, I'm not. Um, some oh. of those were potentially, you know, a bit close to the line. Um, yeah, he was supposed to have been, you know, Jesus Christ, and, uh, and this was before Black Library got kind of aware of the, the issues they could cause with that. Don't, but, yes, um, don't do that. He already, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Hitler was one of them. Um, uh, George from George and the Dragon. Uh, and, oh, that and was the one that, that was the story that I had was George. You yeah, know. there's a number. Of, there's a number of people that he's been attributed to actually being in his time. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I think it's at some time during he worked his way up during these unification wars. He took control of one of the tribes, and he went around and bashed heads and just said, "That's it." Um, and slowly, that's... one tribe by tribe, either accepted their surrender or destroyed them, um, gave them the options and, and, and controlled terror. I mean, it took him took him a while, but yeah. In all that time, he's he's working on this this gene um, <clears throat> gene coding to make these super warriors, um, and also at this time is working on the Primarchs as well. Now, let so, me ask you another question here, and I'm not certain if you know it or not. I'm kind of putting you on the spot with these questions, but it's something that always confuses me. 
Space Marines are about eight feet tall. Am I correct? Like without their power armor? N- no, n- no, I think they're seven to eight feet tall. Okay. I think it's like eight feet tall is them in power armor, if I remember correctly, okay. off the top of my head. So they're still about seven feet tall. So they're a really, really big person. And they're all big and bulky and muscular. We've seen the pictures. Yeah. They have no necks and things like that, you know. Uh, and it might be it might be seven and a half to eight and a half kind of feet tall. Okay. But it's it's certainly yeah, they're 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 imposing. They're yeah. non not human. Exactly. They're obviously not human. How big are the Primarchs? Um well, they are constantly referred to as being as to a space marine as a space marine is to a human. So I'm thinking about ten feet tall? Yeah. I mean they never say it, but you see, as as we but look through the books, you'll hell. see that they say, you know, we looked up to, and you know, and it has that effect, and it is constantly referred to as a Primarch is to a Space Marine as a Space Marine is to a human. Yeah, um, and the humans... so a, a, a human, a, a Space Marine to a human looks like you know something alien and and magnificent and and, and whatever. Um, a, a Primarch to a human looks like a demigod. Okay, so or, then, or a god. then comes the final question. I think you know where I'm going with this at this point. I know the Emperor can take any form in any shape, because in different stories he's looked just like... I mean, he can make himself look like anything. But when he is unveiled as the Emperor in his golden resplendent armor and on the field of battle, in, in his... And I guess to call him in his pure form, you know, the, as the Emperor, is he even bigger than the Primarchs? We don't know. We don't know. They never really described. I mean, he. Yeah, he doesn't. We don't know. I mean, he, <laughs> was it? You, know, uh, you see debates going. Actually, the emperor's only three foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> you see those people talking. It's you know, does he psychically project his image to be you know whatever he wants it to be at any one time? He appeared to um, Lehman Russ. It's not written in in, in the novels later on, um, but it's old law. Is when he met Russ for the first time. He appeared as a, a an old you know, kind of an old man. Mm-hmm. I think it was an older man, you know, and and kind of Russ just took him as took him in, you know, on a feast day, and and it was just a human, an old human, um, before revealing himself to be, you know, golden warrior, blah blah blah. Right, right. Um, so yeah, it's the perceived image of him, or the popular image of him, is that that gold warrior who's Probably the same size as a Primarch, if not bigger. Right. But, but yeah, well, you know, they always really tap dance on that line because I know I've got I've got a couple of uh, friends who've seen stuff like that, and he's got the halo around his head and stuff like that, and it's like, yeah. you know, it, it, it's some of, one of these, you know, uh, like I said, like you said, you know, you could really run afoul of some people's you could, sensibilities. But he's, I mean, yeah, in four, in Warhammer Forty Thousand, there is the religion of the Emperor. Yeah. Um, so he is kind of he's always going to be shown from yeah. a Warhammer forty thousand point of view as a god. Yeah, call him yeah, what you will. Not, even on the throne as as a husk, he's still imposing. he's still a god. So um, you, you, the, those 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 halos and everything they're there for a reason. They're there to show you they're not talking specifically about any religion, right? But they're to show you this is you know we live in a Western society, and that's this what was written is, in the eighties. Yeah. It's going to be a Christian-based view right. of that's just the nature of the background of the people who wrote it, you know, whether they have a faith or not. That's right. The, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Georgia. I mean, I've I've really, as a guy who had no real interest after looking at 40k and fantasy and being a, a total, you know, I've always been a real fantasy 
person, you know, getting a taste of the lore and how well they built it up. I, I, I mean, I've caught myself jokingly saying to people, the emperor protects, you know, <laughs> like I'll say it to, you know, Harrison's like, you know, I mean, Harrison was going into a, uh, some sort of, a, he had a competition in his fencing class. And he gave me a look, and I looked at him. I go, "The emperor protects." And I gave him the double, the double, you know, hands of the chair. Yeah. And he kind of laughed and went in. And it's just like it, it, it's, it's. There is a weird cult around, uh, like that cult around it. It's sort of easy if you really start to enjoy the. I mean, how many people have stuff like that written on their tags on their social media and their little pictures and stuff like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's, or death to the false emperor, depending on which yeah, side you're on. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, these these uh, twenty Primarchs were being created at the same time as the Space Marines, or before the Space Marines, because the um, Primarchs gene coding is used to create the Space Marines. So, yeah. so go, go ahead, so, go ahead. So so the, um, so uh, every, each Space Marine has an element of their Primarch uh, within them under this gene coding. So. Um, which manifests itself so space wolves get long teeth as they get older and canine like teeth and you know quite hairy and and, and that kind of thing so <clears throat> excuse me so there's a, there's a definite link between each of the primarchs and and the space marines that are being created at this time yeah so the emperor is working on the space marine. now there, here's an interesting part let's talk about this just a little bit i just kind of want to go along in the order that you put it down in this yeah, I, 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 I added that little bit on the end. Probably should have been in here. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll do that part. The final key to his crusade were the Primarchs, the 20 beings made by the Emperor. I think everybody really knows who the Primarchs are. So like you said, he made them first, and apparently the forces of chaos managed to somehow get a hold of them and fling them to the far reaches of the galaxy. Yeah, there was a, there was a warp rift in the room in which um, they were being incubated, basically, um, which scattered them. Um, and... It's not really revealed. No one really knows how, why, or who, how this happened. It happened. And the right. 20 Primarchs were lost from terror. Now, they were being incubated. I'm wondering how big, like, obviously, you know, they, they weren't full-grown adult size when they mm. were in there. Because according to some of the stories, didn't they found, they found Lion Johnson? And as he a looked, babe. As, yeah, he looked like a little boy. Yes, um, so, I, th I think most of them are, are, are young children. To, yeah, are, are young children to kind of you know less than ten years old kind of thing. I but, think most of them are found yeah. around that age. The ones we know about, we know their story of. Almost indestructible in their yeah. in their creation, and then each and every one of them seems to have risen up to have taken over the planet that they lived on, which most of them do. Most certainly. of them, yeah. There are a couple of notable exceptions, but most of them through. Um, through either force of arms or, or you know, politic, end up being ruler of at least one planet. Of um, course, if you land on a planet that was populated, because they all wind up on, a, on on some sort of a, a planet that humans had gotten to. Yes, they were flung to planets that humans had gotten to, which it was one of those things that, I, and I don't want to bring this up too much now, but you figured if the chaos demons or the chaos, whatever it was that that flung them out there, that wanted to get rid of them. They would have flung them to a, a death world or a world that humanity hadn't populated, but they all wanted potentially, up, or yeah. or would um, would a great being of you know a chaos god nature say actually if we send him miles away from his his father who's going to bring him up, put him in amongst humans who are by very definition human and and fail, 
can we then maybe influence? Oh, that's true. That's so true. That twist a bit. Yeah, there's that potential. Or, or, or were they actually sent out purposefully to grow up amongst humans? Oh, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So because yeah, again, I mean, it's not really revealed it, anywhere. How hard would it be for them to take over? If you picture what we've just described as a primarch. Yeah, I among mean, normal you, humans, they're just, some of the stories talk about you know this seven-year-old boy, but with the age of knowledge in his eyes already, you know, and yeah. scaring the humans that find him. <laughs> yeah. So the twenty primarchs are gone. The emperor uses what's left of their genetic code in the in the in the room where they were being made, and th- this okay. And I, I keep doing this. It's like the Silmarils. And that was the first. This, and that was the. But that was the first taste of a story that I'd ever had like that. Where, okay, because it, it never made sense to me. Why couldn't he make more? Well, it took a lot of his own energy and his time. Yeah. And it made it. It was just there's so much effort put into it that it wasn't something he could ever really truly replicate. You know, he had he had reached his pinnacle, so he basically took what was left and made. You know something close to it, which becomes the Space Marines. But it did. Yeah, I, mean, I think they, they were always part of the plan anyway. Right. The Space Marines were. You know, the, the the Primarchs were made to be the leaders of the legions of Space Marines. Right. That was all part of the plan. But there was no. Yeah. The Emperor obviously had to put something more than just time into making the Primarchs. There was obviously a lot more effort than that. Um, right. You know, and and he went out. I mean, he treats them as his sons as we go through the cr- Crusade. You know, he really does. So, do you think some of his genetics, his own genetic code, is used to create them? Pro- quite probably. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the the emperor is something other than human, right? That's that's kind of that's pretty obvious. That's taken. Um, who knows um, what what went into the making of a primarch? Right. Uh, and but like again, I said, I, I I hate to keep going back to some of these Tolkien things, but it it it, it, it every I mean. I'm a huge fan. I mean, I've read and have the audio books for the Silmarillion and all those. I've, I've read the Silmarillion a dozen times. And when you read it, if you read when, you know, Middle-earth is created and all of the different Valar who are all a different part of Iluvatar, each of them is a different aspect of Iluvatar's yes. being. And you read this and all 20 Primarchs are a different aspect of sort of the Emperor's, you know, this is, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I can see. And I'm not saying that's exactly where they took it from, but uh, I can, be, I'd be a fool to not they, see I the. I can bet that they all probably had read the Silmarillion and Tolkien a lot. Yeah. Um, and who else has made, who else at that point had made the world, um, had done a history of the world, a creation story of a world outside of the great religions yeah, yeah in, put in a that much setting. detail into it and then and then had so, so many similarities yeah games workshop actually uh, through 40,000 um, actually opened up a lot of doors for other people to then come in and it, it becomes normal yeah, yeah there were people doing stuff but it wasn't widespread at all right no, neither was um as here rick previously talked about this at the time the very nature of um, Warhammer 40,000 itself is a very grim, dark place. Right. Um, and that's something that was new then as well, which has become quite the norm. It's, yeah, it's not the utopian future. It's not even the Star Wars future. No, yeah, the where 50s you have the, and that kind of space era. Where we're going to go of that. Yeah. You know, it's going to be great. We're all going to have flying cars and robots and is do it, all no, stuff. Life is a grind and it's this is humanity is fighting for its survival. It was Yeah, it was very different. 
<laughs> it worked, and it worked out pretty damn well too. Yes, but uh, here let's talk a little bit about uh, what you put up here about uh, Saul and the cult uh, the, of Mechanicus. So uh, apparently, the Mechanicum ruled Mars for years. Now, th- correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they were originally on Earth, and they were doing a lot of scientific experiments that people didn't like or thought they shouldn't be doing. So the scientists who were doing that said, "Screw you!" Packed up and went to Mars. Yeah, what we can't, what you can't see won't hurt you. Yeah, all that go and hide up there and, and play around and do their thing. Exactly. So the let's see, they ruled Mars for years, winning the wars that started in the Age of Strife, though they too suffered and lost much of their knowledge. They so watched, yeah, you know, no, all of humanity really did lose him. The Mars it started, they were no different. They just didn't have the uh, the unification wars weren't there so they didn't have that they were always just kind of single-mindedly doing their thing right and uh it actually says they watched the emperor's unification of terra aware that humanity would not be satisfied until they moved on elements of the mechanicum also saw similarities between the emperor and the omnisaya which is their their That's god their, their god yes uh, the Emperor offered an alliance, Mars supplying arms and machines of war in return for the protection of the Red Planet and the sovereignty of its masters. The Lords of Mars were quick to accept, and the Fabricator General was given a seat on the War Council of the Great Crusade, which this agreement would allow to happen. Yeah. Um, so this- the, Emperor, the Emperor had his soldiers ready. He needed the means to get them there and the weapons to fight, to give them to fight with. And Mars was set up, already was set up to do that. It had the shipyards and it had the, the manufactoriums and to, to is, arm the emperor's forces. This is some pretty fascinating stuff. Um, and like I said, I, this I, I, you know we'll cover this more in Mechanicum, but they actually discussed the day the emperor showed up on Mars and yeah. that, and it's really fascinating stuff. Um, in in that, there's I mean the 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 the, the depth of the story and the. Um, the opportunities for all these stories to be told is it, there's so much neat stuff there. Yeah, and Mars is very singular in that Mars is not part of the Imperium. Mars is a protectorate of the Imperium, as it were. This one little <laughs> planet. Yeah. Um, the Emperor kind of, in the Great Crusade, the Emperor just says, right, this galaxy's humans. This, this galaxy belongs to the humans. Go and claim it back. Um, and there's this one little red planet which kind of avoids it by nature of an agreement. Well, I mean, if they were humans, I mean, for the most part, that's yeah, how they started off. But they're not. But they're know, not they're, part of the Imperium. He said, they're "Listen, not part of the Imperium." Yeah, and that's as you we alone. go through the books. When you see the way they deal with other people, it's quite a quite an interesting kind of you know relationship with they have all there. the with all the changes that they do to themselves. Yes. How they become more cybernetic. They're like cyborgs, basically. They do become sort of more than and less than human. Uh, yes. You know, they are actually, you're like, the, they're the, quite The flesh alien. is weak, as I say. Yeah. Saying it. The flesh is weak. They're always trying to you know, a, a, overcome the weaknesses of their huma- humanity whilst also remaining a human within that. Right. That, 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 that's a strange thing. Although they almost go completely, they never quite do but yes yeah. it's quite a quite a groovy little thing to have in the universe it's a yeah they're they're really and they are they're the singular thing that he grants them their autonomy as long as they don't as long as they don't 
practice certain. They don't experiment with certain things. Yeah, as long as they do with their towels, yeah. they will be left to do, to carry on doing their things. Which is really just, it's quite cool. So that's, and that's basically what leads up to, so the Emperor gets his Space Marines. Yeah. And he takes off. He leaves He takes Earth. off. They clear out the solar system, and then they they go on to the Great Crusade can start proper, as it were, um, where and, they go out to find the lost Primarchs. Well, and... and, and reclaim the galaxy for the for humanity now i know i when i mentioned this i know here i was telling it to heather and i guess yeah. harrison didn't quite realize the scope because he doesn't read the you know he hasn't been he doesn't read the horse heresy and i'm like basically if you're human and you're willing to come back and be a part of the imperium under the rule of the emperor hooray if you're not human or you're not willing to come back we wipe you out completely. Um, his twelve-year-old sensibilities found that appalling. He was really, actually, quite <laughs> horrified. To be honest, my thirty-two-year-old sensibilities find that fairly appalling. Yeah, it's uh, he was it's, just. Why would you want to wipe out all the aliens? What? What about the ones that want to live in peace? I'm like, dude, I don't make up the rules. I'm just telling you what the plan is. Um, it is a little weird. It is a little weird that the idea of we can't live in peace with alien races. Um, I, I, you know, far be it for me to comprehend the emperor's grand design, but that, I mean, I, I can't be the, the only one that that strikes as odd. At least, I mean, you know, I mean, this is this is where we sit uh, at the moment with the Great Crusade happening. Um, we have the emperor obviously has a plan for humanity. He always has had this plan for humanity, and it's this: I will see them through, and this is the way it's going to happen. No one can really understand that. And that's a theme that starts to run through the books. As you start to see that the Emperor is beyond comprehension in his in what he's doing. Um, we can't really deal with that. And that becomes a fundamental part of particularly some of the early books. Legion. Um, that shows yeah, up with that well, one character. Even, even in Horus Rising, we'll, we'll get to that on the first episode. There's a lot of instances in that that, you know, I, I'm halfway through reading it again after listening to it only a couple of months ago um, there's a lot of instances in that that really kind of made me think oh yeah we want to talk about this we want to talk about this um, the, the Emperor's got this set plan of you're with us or you're against us and there's no grey there's no apart from Mars there's no grey in that at all um, yeah so yeah and it's- he sends out hundreds of fleets of ships I mean there, there are just there are thousands and thousands of space marines going out there are you know f- however many uh, army soldiers going out with them right there are the, the trains that will go without this is a massive undertaking this is a phenomenal amount of resources going out um, and in fact part of having I mean, clearing so uh, the solar system was right setting up the bases to 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 get Mining the, uh, the different asteroid fields and mining yeah, the planets and, that and we need the just human the resources. resources as well. Yeah, exactly. To then fund this great campaign. To take over the galaxy and secure it for humanity for all time. Which is, I mean, you know, a, a, you know uh, uh, overall on the cause, I, I'm, I'm with that cause. Yeah, you know, yeah. making, making sure that humanity survives forever works for me. That's um, the goal. Yeah. That is, uh, that's the goal at the end of it. So they go out and... And they do. They find all 20 Primarchs um, and, and, and bring them back into the fold. Yep. And these Primarchs then are given their legion, 
you know, the one that's attuned to them. Um, and they then fight the crusade with the emperor at the head of that. Um, there are two and, legions, the lost legions. Um, but they are found and they are, and they, they are reunited. Um, and that's something that is discussed at various points in the books as well. Um, it's we it's really up- starting to tickle my, my, uh, <laughs> my curiosity because they, they got mentioned a couple books ago. Like I said, I just finished Prospero Burns. It was mentioned a couple books ago, and, they, and there was actually where, you know, the Primarch mentioning it to another Primarch, and them saying, we aren't supposed to talk about that. There are, yeah, you there's, know, a, there's a, a lot uh, of little drip references, like one line in one book about them, things like that. Exactly, and, and it's just and that, some of them are very subtle as well. You have to kind of work your way back to see that well, it relates well, to them. Yeah, that made me chuckle in Prospero Burns when he's talking to the guy at the end when Russ is talking to the to the to the, the scald, and yes. he says, "You know, there's there's a first time for everything." He's like, "You mean like the first time you raised weapons against a, another legion?" And he looks at him and he's like, "No, that's not the first time." Yeah, and you're just like, yeah. "Oh, <laughs> oh, wait." Uh, they, 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 you know, if they're never going to tell us about them, they shouldn't tease us like that. It's not <laughs> nice at all. Well, well, yeah, I th- you know, compared to what we knew five years ago, we know a lot more than we did. That's true. And of so, course, you know, they keep saying we'll never, but they also said there'd never be a Horus heresy game. They also said we wouldn't do this yeah. and then the other. So who knows? That may we'll come see. at some point. Um, I think. So, the crusade. I mean, just just to kind of get it up to yeah. point, where we we end up with eighteen primarchs now, uh, eighteen legions out there. Um, you know, ones like the Ultramarines are setting up a whole system of planets under their control. Um, that's the way the Raboot Gulamon, or whatever his name is, uh, works with the Ultramarines. That's their style. The White Scars are flitting here and there, fighting the wars where they deem they need to be. Um, and we get to uh, the planet of Ulanor, which has got the most massive orc war that there ever was. The whole planet is completely infested with orcs. And um, the marines drop in numbers beyond belief. Um, and Horus and the Emperor at the head fighting a, a massive crusade against these orcs, which ends up with I think it's Horus killing the... Uh, is dealt with the orc war boss and... and and victory being proclaimed and the emperor deciding that at that point he is leaving the crusade and heading home to Terra to work on a super secret project. Right. And, and in his stead, he leaves Horus as war master of the, uh, of the great crusade to carry on as his, uh, as the emperor's word. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of where we are with the emperor re- retreating to go and, and do Secret planny things, and and the, and the Horus left to finish the crusade and carry on his father's work. Yeah, and so that's that's basically where we're at uh, when Horus Rising starts. Yes, um, it's, it's, uh, not long after that. So that's where we're going to pick up on our next episode. You could say it's almost like after Ulanor. It's <laughs> yes, it's after Ulanor exactly. Um, anything else we need to cover? I think we've got it. I think that's as a as a as a setup. I think that's fairly good. I'm sure some people will be sure to tell us that we've missed something out. I'm certain we have. And you know what? Honestly, if we've missed something, I want to know. 
I do as well because uh, if, if we've missed something then, and people feel it's important, we can put it in at the start of the next show. Exactly. Before we get into Horus Rising, we can put that in there, and and hopefully, you know, some people might get something out of that. That's great. I'm sorry, but my thirst for 40k lore, my OCD is kicking in really hardcore, especially when going back now as we're starting to prep for these shows. So, yeah, if we're missing something important or you found a tidbit, let us know. In fact, uh, one of the, one last little thing I wanted to mention was uh, reading the uh, the White Dwarf for the 25th anniversary of 40K. You yeah. know, they flipped through it. One of the greatest uh, parts, the part that really kind of made me laugh because I didn't know it was, they showed the page from the what second edition where they had the little quote about Horus. And now Horus turn, and they're like that was all that was there. Like this quote yeah. came in, and one of the writers sort of grabbed on. People were interested by it. One of the writers sort of picked that one, you know, just fluff that was written, just little quotes that were written, just to give you a flavor for the galaxy. And this one quote set a couple of people's imaginations uh, rolling. And uh, you know, to, to, I mean, I think that's what I read in the White Dwarf. I'll look it up for next episode. It's- Essentially, yeah. I mean, there's, and 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 even on from there, this has just happened. There's been one line about a, a planet's been a, a battle at a planet's been mentioned, and then that's been extrapolated and taken on and become its own thing. And and this has grown and grown out of those. There's there's loads of tidbits of information back through the history of time. That <laughs> yeah, it's really it's just on. it's kind of cool how this one quote became something so just sort of you know off the wall and sort of out there but massive uh, yeah it's become it's become a multi-million seller and uh quite a cash cow for for the company um (laughs) it also explains and i'll tell you this much i will give you guys i will give our listeners a warning if you're anything like me or and I, i think i can speak for greg and i know even chris you has said it and other people have said it um if you don't really play 40K or you've never really seen the appeal of it, if you do start reading these, you're going to want to start to build and play with Space Marines. <laughs> it's just... Um, it's Every time I read a new book, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like I never had any desire to build or play Space Wolves. <laughs> and then I'm reading Prospero Burns, like, oh, that's cool. And you read Thousand Suns, like, oh, that's cool. I've um I've got a very good friend who every time he reads one of the books he sends me a text message no I'm doing Blood Angels next <laughs> or no I'm doing because he's always he's always got that one next army he's considering doing and this goes on for months and it just changes every time he reads a book exactly well we've always got we've always I think all of us if you're in this if you're in this hobby the next army is you you've got something in your head and uh, I'm dude I'm constantly scratching it out and rewriting it I've been working so long on my VC. You know, I'm saying demons now, but yeah, I know if dwarves pop back up, I'll I'll drop everything at, 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 in a moment to pick up the new tidbits for that, the new toys for that, and start rolling with those. You know, so and it's it's hard, it's hard to read this stuff and see how. I mean, hell, after reading Nagash, I wanted to run a Tomb King's army, and I know I wouldn't <laughs> do any good with a Tomb King's army, but I wanted to. Yeah, that's why I have between Harrison and I, you know, eleven of the sixteen armies or something like that. Because, goddamn it, someday I'm going to want to play that one. I should have it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so um, this is—I uh, think we're at the end here. 
I think this is a good place to leave it. So, Greg, um, you know, thanks for thanks for coming up with the idea of this because I think this is going to be a lot of fun, and I want to see. I think I think this is going to be a really, you know, not just fun for us, but fun for the listeners. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so Otherwise, it's just you and me talking. Yeah. Um, so, but please, if you do enjoy it, please let us know because you know it's yes. something we do need. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get Dave to set me up with an email. I haven't told him that yet. Oh, yeah, I and, have to do that. I have to have Daniel set you up with an email. Absolutely. And then please post on the forum um, under the episode thread. Or you can find you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Child of Fang. Which now so I know you, what that means. You, yeah, you know where my loyalties lie. <laughs> um, and I'm obviously at Garage Hammer on Twitter. And look, right now I got my phone, Daniel... Mobile need. I'm also going to set email. up uh, a show Twitter, um, which will be after Eleanor at after Eleanor, um, oh, cool. which we'll use a little bit, but to tell you when shows come out, particularly if people don't necessarily listen to the main show, um, it can, it can be a, a way to connect. <laughs> so we can, uh, so I'll get that up and ru- that'll be up and running by the time this comes out as well. Okay, and uh, I have just texted Daniel that we're going to need an email for Greg at garagehammer.net, and um, he'll ask me where to send that information, and I will get it to you, and uh, we'll have that set up. By the time this goes out, it'll probably take me about a week or so to get this out. Uh, by the time this is out, that'll all be set up. Brilliant. Fantastic. All right, Greg, uh, good show. Excellent. I, I, one thing as well is... Um, you know, this show is slightly separate from the main show. Oh, it's absolutely so, separate. It's yeah. It's, if you want to, if you want to have shout outs or anything like that on the show, then feel free to contact us and small fee and oh you know, sure yeah. And we'll do we'll do all that as well. This is you know this is <clears throat> we want to really interact with you guys um, across that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's getting its own separate part on the forums pages, not just a subsect of episodes. This is far more different from Garage Hammer even than Garage Gamer. I mean, Garage Hammer and Garage Gamer kind of go hand in hand. This is its own thing, so we're going to sort of run with this as a, as, a, as a separate entity and see how it goes. But, uh, folks, thank you much for listening, and uh, we will be back in uh, four to six weeks with um, Horus Rising. So... If you haven't read it yet, get on the ball. Otherwise, be prepped. It's all gonna. It's it's not not no spoiler alert. It's pure spoiler. <laughs> Absolutely, it's I think we will put discussion. a massive alert at the start of each show. Yeah, be warning. Do not listen if you don't want to know what's going to happen in this book. Exactly, exactly. Well, Greg, um, good show. Uh, we'll get back to this uh, in a few weeks. Talk to you soon. Ciao.